welcome to the Recover You podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Terhune. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. Welcome everyone to another episode of Recover You. Now, I know that we just released a podcast that had Patrick's voice in it with the resources for recovery, but we actually recorded that like three months ago, yeah. something like that. And so um, for me, I'm like, oh, hey, Patrick's back because we actually haven't recorded a podcast together in forever. Here I am. I'm back. <laughs> Hi. Hi. So you yeah. really pretty today. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you do. We had... Um, you always look pretty, actually. Okay. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so... um. No, we had a, a busy summer, tail end of the summer here um, in August, and things got really busy, and you had your knee surgery, and... Yeah, second day out of the brace. Yay. Today. Yep. So six, it's I'm been sore. six weeks since then. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we just had a lot going on, and then we had some trips scheduled, and, and just mm-hmm. th- the way things happened, it was kind of hard to get in the same place at the same time to record. So here we are, and today we are going to talk about what to do when you have discovered infidelity of any kind in your relationship. So when I I get a lot of messages like on TikTok and and Instagram and things like that from women who have discovered something, Mm -hmm. right? Like I discovered a text message that seemed inappropriate, or I found out that he's looking at, you know, his, his Instagram feed is full of Instagram models. Um, or I, you know, my husband recently told me that he looked at pornography or I found it or whatever, you know, um, any variation of that. And then it follows up with any advice you have would be welcome or, or what do you think I should do? Right. Yeah, right. And, and so just to be clear, um, we're going to, we're going to kind of go over some points today that I think are really important for everybody, but you know, every, everybody's situation is unique. And so again, we always, 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 and we're going to talk about this as one of the points, but we always uh, think that it's important that you guys get connected with, with people who can give you personalized support through this. Right. Um, but, but yeah, there are definitely some things that I think are incredibly important when you find this out. So the first thing is take it seriously. Yeah. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, that might sound obvious to you. Like, well, yeah, you got to take it seriously. But maybe you have been in a situation I have where I, I didn't really. And I see a lot of a lot of situations where women will not take take action to the fullest extent the first time they find something. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many reasons for that. Right. I don't want to believe that you're capable of anything worse than what I just found. And so I'm just going to take you at your word. Um, I don't want to know. Uh, I don't actually understand addiction. I don't understand pornography. So I assume that whatever I found is like the full, right? There's so many different reasons. I want to believe that you're a good person. I want to believe that what you've told me is, you know, all of these things. Right. And there's so there's so, so much there. Um, and I remember, so when I was married the first time, there were, uh, a couple of things that happened. I think uh, when I met him and went over to his place, there was a calendar of girls, right? So that was like mm-hmm. red flag number one, publicly, public objectification, right? Like I in my room, 
There we go. Mm -hmm. Should have taken that seriously. Didn't, you know, and I do think there's like a cultural thing where, especially when you're dating someone or you don't feel like, um, you have had really deep conversations about this, or maybe you haven't thought through all of the possibilities in your mind of what this might mean in the future. You go, you kind of have that, that, uh, idea of, well, boys will be boys, right? Mm -hmm. Or like, that's just, that's not that bad. It's just a, a, um, it's a photo or it's a calendar or, you know, they're not totally naked, right? Or whatever. You have all of these ways that you will sort of, um, what's what I'm looking for? Qualify it in your Mm -hmm. mind, right? Make excuses for it in your mind and say it's not, it's not that bad. And so the reason I say take it seriously is because if you see any red flag, if you find one thing, it's the tip of the iceberg. When when someone objectifies other human beings, they objectify other human beings. That's not really acceptable ever, right? It's not, if it's not good it, and you don't want it in your relationship, then figure, fit, you know, you need to, you need to, to actually take it really seriously because you don't actually know what else there is. Right. And I think that is kind of what I'm trying to say is, don't assume that whatever you have is all all that all that there is. And if I can add, so the the one of the uh, characteristics of being in this behavior is a massive amount of denial. Right. So you and this is not like a deliberate thing where you go, I'm going to deny everything I've done. What we do is we minimize what we've done. We may say, well, I only look at pornography once a week when it's actually three times a week. Or, you know, or something along those lines. Well, I, you know, I, I don't do this, but it's actually greater than you think. And sometimes, you know, cause this was the case for, for us. And I, and I generally knew, you know, my frequency, but when confronted with some of the, what I like to call the forensic details oh of gosh. it, it was shocking. Well, when know, I, for me, basically when I went back through your emails, when I went back, right, through, yeah, right, yeah. When I and, looked at the bank accounts and said, did you know that you spent this much money on this day and that right, meant that, that yeah. you, you act out this many times in one day and you're like, whoa, did I? Yeah. So I, you know, I think, I think when, when you say take it seriously, you know, it, and it really comes down to this, it, it, a, a good, um, marriage, uh, relationship has complete transparency and honesty mm-hmm. in it. And so, you know, this is really true of anything. So if, 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 um, if there's a shopping habit, that is being hid, but you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of things that, that, you know, really at the end of the day, relationships that survive and relationships that have longevity have honesty in them, honesty and openness. So when, when you say, take it seriously, what I think about is you've got to get everything. It very well could be that it was just one calendar and that's it, right? It very well could be that, but the whole point is you deserve um, but the you, honesty. But that opens of up that. such a conversation of why did why? you think that was appropriate? Yeah, right, right, absolutely. Right. Why? And yeah. I, like, I would have in this world with technology mm-hmm. a very, 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 very difficult time believing that if somebody has a calendar and they're willing to have that where somebody else can see it, that that's the only thing that's going on. Yeah. yeah. And, I, whatever your thought is on that, whether you're mm-hmm. okay with calendars or not, whatever. Right. But if you're not okay with your partner sexually acting out and objectifying other women and putting their sexual energy towards other women, mm-hmm. that type of behavior is a red flag of deeper things. Right, right. And, and in my situation, obviously got married 
found pornography on the computer a couple months in, Mm -hmm. like a whole, you know, folder of it, whatever, which was probably just the beginning. Right. right? And then uh, deny, 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 deny. Right. Absolutely. Absolute denial. Yeah. And then I, and, and this is one of the other points I wanted to make with taking it seriously. This is not something that should ever, and I mean, ever be a one-time conversation. You go and you say, Hey, I found this calendar in your room. Hey, I found this folder of pornography on the computer. And then you talk about it. And then they give you some sort of BS answer because. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, why would you tell me the truth if you can convince me of a lie that, and then, right, you know, right. keep, keep your secret hidden and then also keep me from being super traumatized. Right. right and so, right. so, um, usually it's a BS answer and you're, then you accept that and then you move on, which is exactly what I did the first time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like it, had some sort of confrontation, absolute denial. I moved on. I don't, when I look back, I don't remember that being a constant, like, oh, I'm really worried about this on the day to day. Right. I Mm -hmm. think as much as a lot of people do, I think I let it go. Right. Right. And, and then, you know, a year later he's, he's having an affair. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I say take it seriously, it's because like I said, whether or not this is an isolated incident doesn't really matter. It needs to be addressed. Right. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, and, and I think, you know, pe- people are learning, you know, all of us learn as we get older, as we hope, we hope, right? Yeah. We all hope we, so it very well could be, and the reason I talked about it, it very well could be just a calendar. You meet somebody, he's got a calendar, he's been single his whole life, he's never dated anybody, you know, you're, and you're like, hey, why are we doing this? Let's talk this through. He goes, oh, wow, I didn't know that that triggered you or whatever. I understand where you're coming from. I'm going to learn from this situation and, you know, and, and get better, right? That could, that could very so well be the case. Yeah. Um, but I think we're, what you're saying and what I'm saying is you got to take it seriously and you got to understand the root mm-hmm. motivation and the root behavior behind these I things. Have that right. conversation yeah. because their response to it gives you a lot of information. It does. Anytime, yeah. anytime you ask questions. Now, you know, there's also the situation where, okay, I learned from that, right? Talking about learning mm-hmm. from your mistakes. I learned from that. You and I started dating. I asked you about pornography because so I was like, this is a big deal to me. Right. So obviously it registered to the level where I was like, I don't want to deal with right. this that again. again. I didn't yeah. like it. Um, it didn't appreciate it. Uh, I, you know, that sort of thing. Obviously have a moral ethical issue against it. Don't want it in my marriage, that sort of thing. Asked you about it. You gave me some sort of, half truth about it. Uh, But then, you know, from my side, I thought we were good because I believed that had no reason not to. And then you continue to lie throughout our marriage where every time we would talk about pornography, but on my end, I was bringing it up. I was not shying away from the conversation. And I think that is like the biggest thing you cannot control ultimately if they're going to lie to you, Mm -hmm. but you can control if you're going to ask the questions and take it really, really seriously and let that be communicated that this is a problem for you. So I think that's. Well, and and, you know, I often think about this, you know, those conversations, you know, had, had, uh, you know, we didn't necessarily, we, and I'm not trying to make this sound like I was or like I'm not responsible because I'm always responsible, but the tools. So for example, um, now it wouldn't have addressed the hurt, the underlying hurt and woundedness beneath it, right? But let's say in that early moments, you were like, Hey, I have this, I know this software that we can put on all your devices to make sure that, and we went through and made all those precautions, right? 
what right. what would that outcome right. Being proactive have been about it. different? Yeah. And and now once again, it still wouldn't have addressed the underlying woundedness that I carried with me into this marriage that you had no idea about how wounded I was. And actually, to be honest, neither did I, Yeah, uh, you know, and so, um, but I think, you know, if you think about it, like, you know, what would be the harm of, of, you know, and you and I have talked about this in pre-marriage counseling, you know, the pastor says, okay, both of you give each other right. your passwords, well, and I, exchange phones, because women are, in, are unfaithful as well. Absolutely. And so, you know, go into that. And if there's anything that you need to talk about, you know, who's Billy? Billy just texted you last night and said, what are you doing at yeah. 2 a.m.? And and then you have a conversation about who Billy is. And then, you know what I mean? So the, all of this stuff is about openness and honesty. So to your yeah. point, whether you catch it at, at 25 years in or whether you catch it during the, the initial dating stages, yeah. take it seriously because you are Be, owed that answer. Right. And if it's anything other than what it looks like, mm-hmm. or if it is what it looks like, depending on what you find, yeah, um, that when it's not addressed and not talked about always progresses. Right. Right. And then sometimes even when you do talk about it. So, so I find it, you know, it is really important. And then you were kind of just mentioning this. What would have been the smart thing for me to do is to trust you, but the idea of asking you these questions, trust you, but then because of my experience and because of how serious this type of issue is, that I think a lot of us don't actually understand until we've gone through deep betrayal is to actually verify what you were saying mm-hmm. by saying, okay, great. I trust you. I believe you. This is really important to me. How can we have ongoing accountability about this? And, do you, you know, can we be very proactive about it in our relationship? Because I don't want this to come into the marriage. Now, I'm that just as an idea, right? Like that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have found other ways, but yeah, I mean, you know, some people are very, you know, yeah, I think they want to, they will, but that's another step that could have been taken. Right. right. I I think through that, you know, as, as you say that I was like, you know, would that have, you know, at that moment in, in our, in our relationship, I probably would have been like, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because at at that moment I would had thought I'd left it all behind. Mm -hmm. Right. And I would have been like, yeah, I got no problem with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's interesting now, granted, once again, that the, to your point, because of the wounds and the deep Mm -hmm. and all that stuff, how would that have manifested itself? Most of this comes about, you know, not taking it seriously, not taking action, not being proactive. You know, a lot of that came from lack of education and lack of understanding. That's right. Yeah. And so that's, you know, one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is really educate you on how these things progress, how deep they are, how deep the betrayal is like, you know, that none of it is okay. Right. If you want to have a uh, vulnerable, honest, respectful marriage, you know, that doesn't objectify other people and, and you really are invested in each other. Like there's no level of it that is, you know, quote unquote, okay or permissible. And so, um, so yeah, so number one is take it seriously, but that sort of leads us right into number two, which is understanding the extent. So going back to the calendar situation, right. You have this idea, like I was very naive for a very long time, even throughout our marriage about what existed in this realm. Uh, you know, I had very much, you remember when, I don't know if you remember this, but, um, I think it was called girls next door. There was like the the TV show that was called Girls Next Door, and it was like MTV or, or some show or something like that, that was basically highlighting um, Hugh Hefner and the Playboy bunnies that lived in his house with him, like mm-hmm. the three blondes or whatever. And I remember watching some episodes of that and just being like, it was interesting to me. And um, 
not that I, not that I was, you know, at that time, like, oh, pornography is okay. But what that show, and I think what media, and I think what Playboy and all these things did was try to make it look classy and like the women were giving consent and that it was a positive situation for everyone involved. And then you find out all of these women, it was a horrible situation for them. You know, how abusive he was and how terrible the house situation was. And um, they all have their own individual, you know, traumas and issues and, and, and all this kind of stuff. Right. And um, so my point with that is, you know, we may have, I know I did. I had a very playboy, airbrushed, somewhat, I don't want to use the word clean because none of it's clean, but somewhat Mm -hmm. um, vanilla idea in my head of what pornography was. And as you should, because you should not be exposed to these things, right? But my point with that is um, you have to, when, when this comes out, you have to, you have to ask the questions to understand the extent, right? So for example, women go, oh, well, it's just a beautiful woman. She's not totally naked. Maybe it's like, you know, she's in a bikini on Sports Illustrated or whatever like that. And you don't think that you have a problem with that. Okay. Well, do you know how your spouse responds to that? Have you asked detailed questions like, have you ever had a problem with pornography? Do you pull up, do you, do you masturbate not around me? Do you pull up images in your head when you do that? Do you have a stash of magazines? Have you used these magazines to become sexually aroused? You know what I mean? Like all of these things. And if you're not kind of playing it to the full extent, if you're not going to like the end of the line of what actually happens because of this image that you found, like, why was he going to? Amazon and looking at swimsuit pictures. Well, that's not so bad, right? Like, well, it like what what purpose was that serving? That's right. That's you right. know, and so if you if you have to be willing to answer those questions, um, and ask them, and well, I guess let me rephrase that: you have to be willing to ask the questions, and you have to be willing to hear the answers, mm-hmm. and you have to really like I, just be aware that like. This may or may not be an addiction. If you found something on the computer, if you found a text, whatever, it may, most of the time it is. And if it is an addiction, and I'm just saying that because pornography is super addictive, technology is super addictive, and we have the combination of them and the early exposure, like just, it is so prevalent for it to actually become an addiction before their brains are even developed at 25. Like it's just, it just is so easy for that to happen. And so most of the time there's some sort of addictive pattern there. And so it may not be an addiction, but if it is, um, you know, you, you need to know, you need to understand that. Um, and that, that's a whole separate issue, um, as opposed to just going, well, it's just a calendar or it's just a sports illustrated, or Mm -hmm. I just have this because I've never been into that industry. I've never watched it, or I've never looked at it, or I've never logged into anything or whatever. I have just this somewhat vanilla view of what it is. And to me, that's not super triggering. That's not all that's there. And not that I want you to like pull up memories or anything, but tell me that it's not super easy once you access certain sites to then access materials that you would have never thought you were capable of viewing. Oh yeah. I mean, it, 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 um, I think in the conquer, it says, um, basically uh, in this kind of goes to that 
question, but like sin will take you farther than you ever thought you would go and do things that you never thought you did. Mm -hmm. You do. You know what I mean? So if you, if you you replace sin with like, yeah, right. And that's just sin. Yes. But, but even just like the ease of access is what I'm talking about. So you think that, you know, you go, Oh, it's just a magazine. Oh, it's just this. Oh, it's just that. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just still pictures on the internet. One link leads to another link leads to another link. And these are not good people. Right. And well, they, they want that. They don't have, they don't have, the sense of morality that you want them to have. They don't have limits. So you think, well, pornography is just, um, it's, you know, or, or, you know, it's, it's adults. I, you know, I'm careful about blah, 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 blah. Okay. On the same website, there is illegal stuff. Right. Right. On, you know, it's not that hard, even if they're not looking for it, I guess that's my point. And so, um, recognizing that and I'm not trying to like scare people, but I'm just saying you need to understand the extent because if it is an addiction, whatever mm-hmm. they told you is the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Because what do you do when you're in an addiction? You lie to protect it. Right. Right. Yeah. And well, because it's, it's your, it's your coping mechanism and and you don't know that until you start to get into therapy and you start to understand that relationship of, wow. So this thing was actually here because it helped me cover mm-hmm. up any sort of painful thing that I would ever feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can start to understand that. And so, but the, the, the addiction itself, it only covers it up for a fleeting period of time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, then you have to, you have to cover that up the hurt and, and again mm-hmm. and again and again. So you're right. You know, you, we, we, we get exposed at a young age and it's not our fault. And, um, things come into our lives and it's not our fault. Mm-hmm. And then, then what you do with that, and you're right, once that pattern starts to be, be connected, you know, there is a, a, uh, <laughs> you know, we went through a full therapeutic disclosure where I talked about everything that, that, that I've been exposed to and done and things like that. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know if you have to go through a full therapeutic disclosure, disclosure during, you know, premarital counseling or, you know, but, you know, there's, there's. I actually think that's a great idea. Yeah. To some extent. To get you on a polygraph. Because I think. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Something to tell you. Um, no, I mean, think of, just pause for a second, because I think, you know, it wouldn't be quite the same because it's not betrayal, but it right. is a disclosure of things that are in my past that I am now being vulnerable and open and honest with you and committing yeah. That I I, need, I want you to know, especially if it's an addiction. Like I think that should be mm-hmm. absolutely disclosed. And yeah. If you've ever gotten to the point where you know you had treatment for it, well, or even that, like that, just you yeah. realize like, hey, this is a pattern that got yeah. really out of control. I didn't like it. You know, um, I didn't like compulsive like, behavior on my part, right? Yeah, and and that should be something that uh, your part, your future partner is aware of. Like mm-hmm. I absolutely, yeah, if you had a, uh, if you were an alcoholic once in your life, or mm-hmm. if you had a compulsive spending habit yeah. that, 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 you know, got you in trouble right. or whatever that, that may be. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, you know, cause all of those, you know, like they say about sex addiction, it's not about sex. Yeah. It's about, it's about the wounds. And, yeah. and, you know, going back to, you know, lying to protect as, as part of the pattern, mm-hmm. um, you know, as, Everyone on this podcast loves Patrick. I love Patrick. Patrick's done a great job. He's been super honest. He's I love here. Patrick. <laughs> He's here talking about about all this. And in the first weeks and even the first several months, if I had just taken what you said at face value and not continued to ask questions, the the lies that I would have lived by for the next ten years of my life were, well, I just downloaded some apps and I didn't actually do anything. Mm-hmm. Don't don't stop asking questions. Until you figure out what's actually going on, because the other, the next one was, well, this is something that's been pulling at me for the past six months. Right. Oh, really? 
six months, right? So whenever like some red flags, when you're having these conversations, yeah, I did struggle with it, but you know what? I stopped, like I stopped Mm -hmm. four months ago or you know what? I just, I just stopped (laughs) or, you know, it it wasn't, yeah, it was an issue in my past, but it's not now. That is a huge red flag because if they can't tell you it was an issue and it's not now how it is not an issue right now and how it's not going to be issue in the, in the future. Then I'm telling you it is an issue right now. I will actually say this. And I, and I've thought about, it cause I, I watched your video that you had put on Facebook, you know, about this topic and I can only speak for myself, but I would imagine this goes to most um, betrayers who are good people mm-hmm. trying to do the right thing. You know, you, you, you have to get reshaped. So, um, think about a workout program. Think about, you know, going and becoming a, a, a recruit in the military. You know, the, the thing is they tear you down first and then they build you back up. Right. So by having to face the extent of what I did that I was still in denial about, I was, you know, you, you, you create that you didn't even remember. Yeah. You create this false morality in your, in your mind when you're in this behavior. You're like, well, at least I didn't do this or at least I didn't do that. And then you get confronted with these things and it, and it's an incredibly humbling thing. I mean, it, it, you know, it was, it was devastating for me to learn via you some of the things that, that I had done that to your point, I had forgotten about, or I didn't understand the full blocked out because that's, you know, that's what you do. We compartmentalize. And so I actually firmly believe that I would not be here today um, in this kind of shape in recovery, having had I not gone through the crucible of what that was. And I always tell the story, I was sleeping downstairs and I would hear you coming and then you'd show something to me and I'd go, mm-hmm. and then off you would go again. And then maybe 28 minutes later or 12 seconds later, you would come back down. And so, you know, that's, that's. Because I was doing the research. Yeah. yeah. I was I mean, going in and I was finding the pattern. I was finding the history. I was finding right. the money spent. I was yeah. finding the apps that you use to pay different, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't just on a, on the credit card. It was on PayPal. It was on here. It was on, yeah. I would look back in your emails and find um, responses that you would send to people mm-hmm. who sent you videos, you know, all right, of these types right. of things. Yeah. And then, you know, just, you called it something, um, the, mora- the morality piece of it. I can't remember how you said, it, but it's basically like when you're in an addiction, you'll make moral qualifications to make Correct. yourself feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And you would do that. And, and so that's another reason that you have to take it seriously as the person that has discovered something. You have to understand the extent because in their own mind, they may be telling you the truth right. and I'm telling you, it's not the full truth. That's right. So that's right. it's like, going to take you a while to get to the point where you can tell the whole truth. Because you often, when you're in addiction, you're not going to use the appropriate terminology. You're not going to understand the extent of the behavior even you're going to have forgotten a lot of things and then you have this moral qualification to make yourself feel better about the horrible thing that you're doing and so well you know it's um it's just only fans and those are all people that are voluntarily on there and so that's obviously consent and i'm always careful about the age right okay no Right. 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 It doesn't make it any better. There's so many layers to that, but Mm -hmm. there's all these things that you will say to yourself to make yourself feel better about the behavior. Well, it's this, it's not that it's all equally evil. And, Mm -hmm. and, and you can actually knock down probably every one of those qualifications anyways. But yeah. So just being willing to understand the extent, because you have to understand that most of the time, the piece of information that you're getting or the 
uh, acknowledgement that they will give you about the behavior is not all of it. And so I find that this step is very important in order to be a complete partner in the relationship and in order to have full consent over your relationship and your body. Because if you don't know what your partner is doing sexually, then I, in my perspective, I don't believe you can fully consent and have enough information to give full consent, to be Mm -hmm. married to this person, to have a relationship with this person and to have sex with this person, because you don't know like what they're doing. If, if you have clear boundaries around, you know, pornography and, and, and um, sex and things like that. And they're going outside of that to any extent. If you Mm -hmm. don't know the full extent, then you, you should essentially assume that it's everything. Yeah. Until yeah. you know otherwise. Right. Right. I mean, to, right. not not that you're guilty until proven innocent. But right, right. You know, it's, of- and it's interesting. If I could take this a, another step and, and people go, well, I mean, so there, there's no, you're not allowed to have any secrets in marriage. And there, think, no, and actually, no, you're, I don't think you are. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'm like, no, you're I'm allowed you to have privacy. Yeah, privacy. Like go to the bathroom. Right. But secrets is. That's hiding something. Right. Why are you hiding it? Because you yeah. know it will upset the other person. And that's a question you can ask. Oh, well, I don't think I, I don't think there's any issue that I look at porn really. Then why don't you are are you comfortable, first of all, telling your wife that you do that? Telling your wife every time you do it. Every every time right. you do it. Yeah. Um, are you comfortable sitting on the couch next to her and behaving the exact same way that you would? Right. Where in right. your situation it was, you know, cyber sex, you're engaging with real people. Cool. Would you do that in the same room with me and like act out and talk to these women? Mm-hmm. No, of course not. Right. And that that's the most disgusting, you know, thing that I think um is so messed up about technology. You take the screen away and nobody would argue that it's wrong. Right, right. You have a woman in the room and you're sitting there masturbating. Nobody is going, and you're married and your wife is in the next room. Nobody is going to argue that that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But you put a screen in front of it and all of a sudden it's acceptable. Right, right, yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's just, yep. it's the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to understand the extent and you have to understand like it's usually never just a picture. Mm-hmm. There's usually behavior associated. There's usually a thought right. life associated. There's usually objectification. And the reason this is problematic, not only because of the trafficking and all of the issues with the industry itself, but because it destroys intimacy in your relationship. It destroys communication. It destroys how you think about each other, how you view each other, your ability to actually connect. It's just, it, I view it as cancer in the marriage and you have to get the appropriate diagnosis and you have to take the right, you know, you have to go through the right treatment in order for, for you to actually live a healthy life together. Right, right. Anything else for understanding extent? Okay. <laughs> Number three, get educated and connected quickly. So, I mean, I think this is so important. Um, and this is something I did not do the first time, right? And, and there were so many mistakes the first time when I just didn't know about this world. I didn't know about betrayal. I didn't know about trauma. I didn't know about addiction. I didn't know about pornography. I didn't know about all these kinds of things, you know? And so the first time I was exposed to all of this and, and, you know, betrayed and all this kind of stuff, I behaved so differently than when I found it with you. Um, and, and so this is again, why we try to have these, these conversations is to help you so that you can um, move forward the first time so that this doesn't become something, you know, let's say it was just this one thing. Great. Let's address it now, pull it up from the root. So it's not an issue 10 years versus what happens so often. And had I stayed married the first time probably would have happened. And that is, well, I ignored it the first time and never really addressed it 10 years later. Boom, here we are. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. now it's like a, a really terrible problem. And now it's metastasized. It's metastasized. And yeah. now I know that you've been lying to me and hiding it for 10 years because we already talked about it. Right. 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 And then that betrayal is just an, that's an added wound. Right. Yeah. And so getting educated around like, you know, the statistics, your friend shared a really interesting statistic the other day um, that I've been using. And that is that one in a hundred thousand men only, only, only one. one in a hundred thousand men are basically go cold turkey, right? right. With no resources exactly. or support. Should, yeah. Without, without any, without any sort of backup group, right. nothing. And so the, it, like, this is so, so common when guys get discovered, they go, you know what? I'm deleting everything or, um, you know, I'm sorry. And I'll I found never, Jesus. I'll never do it again. I'm converted, you know, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they may 100% believe that that might be a hundred percent sincere. I'm not throwing them under the bus. They probably like hate their addiction and want to recover and want to save their marriage. And they love mm-hmm. you. And they, you know, all that is true. I agree with that. And they're I hate to say this, they're probably not going to succeed. And that's yeah. not because I want them to fail. I believe in recovery. It's because I, it's because they need to take the action and they need to get plugged in. And that's, and that goes into the education, which is why we talk so much about this because you were one of those people. Like I think of, of all people who probably could have gone cold turkey, I feel like you could have been one of those people and you weren't. I weren't. Yeah. I weren't. I weren't. I weren't those people. And so, I mean, I, everyone would look at you and be like, oh, pack a gold cold turkey, right? Well, and, and this you, is crazy. You did with the tools and the resources. Yeah, yeah. I, but you never did it before that. And um, in my my journal, in my five-year journal, I just ended a streak, I think, back in 19, where I'd gone 11 days, I think is what it was. It was 11 days. So I was trying. I was trying to go cold turkey. Mm-hmm. And so 11 days. And so I'm the, I'm the extreme ownership guy. I'm all of these different things. And so you just, you can't do it unless you become daily aware of, of who you are and you learn empathy and you learn how to tell the truth. And like, you just can't, and you, and you start processing your wounds. You can't do it. Right. And that's where, um, I don't think everyone takes going to CSAT therapy seriously Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. And I, I don't really know. I don't, I don't really know what the arguments are against that. Um, I think there's a cost component that people get hung up on, which I get. I mean, I, you know, a lot of it's not covered by insurance. And well, we've talked about that though, yeah. too. I mean, it, if it is cancer, you know, I, I view it like treat it that way. And then you figure out how you can manage the treatment. Right. right. And so if that means you don't go to therapy every single um, week, maybe it's twice a month, but there you figure out a way that you're getting the support that you need. Mm-hmm. And trauma practitioners and CSAT therapists and things like that for the addict is so, so crucial because it starts to unwind the knot of the emotions and the tra- and it gives them all the answers where I was saying earlier, like if they said, well, I ha- I used to do this and I'm not doing it now, but they can't tell you the path that they, that they took to get there. That's what this does. Mm-hmm. That's what the tools and resources give you. Right. You can right. name your emotions. You can talk about them. You can, you can tell me exactly how, and you, you've done this on the podcast. You can tell me exactly what led you into that behavior and what it did for you and how you got out of it. Right. And so that's what therapy does for you. And then, you know, and, and let's just say like therapy is not an option. Finding a group that does the same thing, which is why we like the Conquer group so much because it does have a lot of those tools in it where it helps you look inward. It helps you identify the wounds and the emotions and the things in life that contributed. And if you did 
Like every, if you took it so seriously that you did every single thing in the Conquer series and you did every journal prompt and you reflected and you watched every video and you went through this multiple times, um, you know, I, I, I feel strongly that you could recover with that. Well, I've seen people do it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I feel optimally you would still have a set that if yeah. possible, you know, so when, when finances allow, I think that's like the optimal, right? Yeah. But really it's the tools and resources that something like that provides you, mm-hmm. that guides you and the heart to change and the willingness to do the work. Right. Because right. that's another, another thing, um, you know, we've talked about this too. That's really common is, well, I feel really good. I don't have to do the work right, anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, I actually, uh, so somebody said this to me and I, and I've, you know, as, as I've, as I'm getting close to the end of year three, um, I heard this actually, no, they didn't say it to me, but I heard this, you choose your rock bottom. Right. And that's, that's a very empowering thing. You know what I mean? Like, like think about our situation. I could have chosen once I was discovered to split up, go continue the behavior you know, obfuscate all those different things. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but that was in my mind, that was my rock bottom. And, and as much as I was having a hard time coming to grips with the details of it, mm-hmm. I had chosen that that was my rock bottom. Right. Even though I got shoved into it, I, I had said, that's going to be it. The next part is like you, as you go through the process on the, on the addicted side, you can learn about why it takes the time it does, why you were there, what are the steps, what are the wounds, what does it mean that you were engaged in that specific behavior? Mm-hmm. And so you very quickly see, and I see this in the conquer groups, you see men come in and they talk about the things they've done within a relatively short period of time, five, six, seven weeks, they're talking about the hurts they had in their mm-hmm. past. And that's what you want them to do because that's the thing that needs to get resolved. Not right. necessarily the, 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 the sex stuff because it's, it's a, it's a, that's the, the behavioral focus versus the problem focus. Right. right. And so when you solve the problem, the behavior adjusts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you see that as, as it goes and you don't get there unless you get educated, unless you get in there. I, you know, my, my therapist used to joke with me that I've read more books than he has. Mm-hmm. And so and number one, I just really like reading mm-hmm. num- number one, but it was fascinating to kind of get in there and see mm-hmm. and just pick up and absorb all the resources that, that, that were yeah. out there. So you can- and on the betrayal side, I did the same thing. Yeah. I was listening to the podcast. I was reading the books. I was mm-hmm. going to therapy. I was in group. Right. I was like, right. I was like a sponge absorbing everything I could about sex addiction and about trauma and understanding what I was going through. And so mm-hmm. I think when you can combine the two, the therapy and the support groups, but if you can only pick one, find a, find a group that um, really gives you the support, the accountability, the community that does not focus on the victimhood, but focuses on the freedom and the recovery aspect. Right. Right. Um, and then, and, and that's why we like the conquer group so much. And so we always recommend those, but um, the other piece to it, kind of what we were just talking about with the um, the timeline is therapy and support groups are so beneficial to be those people in your life that constantly remind you that you need to keep going for years because you do, you you and you've been through iterations of this at different points. It's like you get to a point, you're like, I just want to live a normal life, right? And I feel good. Like, and I don't want to go back to it. Well, some men, I, I'm finding it to be quite a high number of them, I think, um, will hit that point really early, like three to six months. Well, it's hard. Right. That's why, because the work is hard. They they don't want to keep doing that and then they'll kind of fall off, right? Others maybe later on. But the point is, 
you need to have people in your life that are regularly reminding you this is a multi-year process. This was a decades-long behavior. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you don't want to go back into it. I'm glad you're feeling great. Keep doing the things and keep investing in the people and the the tools that got you here. Mm -hmm. Because, and here's like the why behind it, right? The first two years for, for people in recovery. The reason that timeline is there is because life happens and you may be feeling great and then your wife gets diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. You might be feeling awesome and then you're thrown into a public situation with triggers that you didn't anticipate. Or you lose your job. Or you, you lose know, your something job. like that. You know, there or just normal life stuff like holidays and anniversaries and D-days and I mean, all the amount stuff. of family trauma that that really messes people up oh, is pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, you have to, you know, go to this it's holiday, your parents again. Yeah, this holiday like yeah. event and there's, you know, aunt so and so that, you know, you have an issue with and it's super stressful and you have to stay there for like four hours and yeah. then you're super stressed and you know high anxiety and you know and then your your brain goes back to the easiest thing that it knows so if it's still a pattern if it's if it's if you haven't created new patterns you know then it's going to be triggered to go back even if you don't want to go back and so that's you know just a reminder for everybody that is why community is so important to remind you to support you to be there and to be like this isn't don't stop you keep coming, you know, it's important that you do this for a year. And it's not for those of you that are married and going through recovery. It's not just about you. It is building the trust in your wife and your spouse. That is so important for you to be consistent, going to therapy, going to group, going to recovery, because that is what she looks for mm -hmm. to see. Are you serious about this? If right. you kind of pop in and pop out and like take breaks and don't and skip stuff and you know and there's no consistency there her life has just been blown up and what she is dying for is some consistency mm -hmm. and some safety in your behavior right. and so if you are able whether you want to or not whether you feel like you're going to relapse or not to show her that you're taking this very seriously and you're not just taking it seriously you're being proactive about it and intentional about it, mm -hmm. about your recovery and about caring for her through this process, that goes so far when you're talking about reconciliation and rebuilding trust. Mm -hmm. And when you don't, it slows the process down. Yeah. And and I see this, you know. I think I think it comes down to, and this is where it is, there are fundamentals in everything we do. There are fundamentals in uh, cooking. There are fundamentals in playing football. There's fundamentals in flying. There's fundamentals in gymnastics. And what happens is this is no different for the addict. There's mm -hmm. fundamentals that keep you there. Now, some of those you define yourself. So here's a good example is one of the fundamentals for me that just makes me feel better because I always have is, is when I travel, I take my survival kit with me. And we've talked about that. You know, I, I traveled somewhere with my brother last weekend and I took it with me. And so part of that is just because, hey, that's that's a fundamental for me. And so it's I don't. Reminder. Right. It's a reminder. And so you do better when you have a foundation of the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And so the journaling habit, the checking in, maybe the groups or whatever you 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 do. And and, you know, those are fundamentals. And if you say, you know, most, you know, long term professional athletes or 
or the pilot that flies 10,000 hours, they engage in the fundamentals. And so this is no different. And so that's why when you say get educated, connected, you can really start to understand that there are baseline fundamentals for addiction recovery, Mm -hmm. but then there's baseline fundamentals for your your own personal recovery Mm -hmm. that are very active. And you have to stay engaged with those. You know, I wouldn't go running and someday, someday I'm going to run again. But I wouldn't go running again without my watch on. To me, that's like a fundamental, mm-hmm. right? Or I, you know, without wearing running shorts, I wouldn't go running in jeans. Mm-hmm. You know, wearing running clothes is a fundamental. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you know, so so that's what it's I that's what I think is important. A difficult reality for addicts to um, accept, and that is that recovery becomes part of your life. Mm-hmm. But it's not an, I remember thinking that was a negative thing, but right. it's not a it's negative not. thing. Yeah. yeah, it's not a negative it's just, thing. It's living right. in freedom with healthy boundaries yeah. and accepting that that's a good thing. I had a conversation with my brother um, about uh, basically the movie uh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. And there, you know, there's a, I guess, sex scene goes on quite, quite a, quite a long there's time. There's a lot in there. Yeah. There's a lot in there. And I just said, hey, I, you know, when, when, when we watch something, then I, uh, we always look at common sense media. Common sense media. And to, then if, to, you know, we want to do it first, right. We determine, we well, if it's acceptable. Yeah. Is it, is it something we can block out with another thing? Is it a look away sort of thing? Is it, you know, wh- or do what we is not that? want to do it? Yeah. Right. And so, so we go through that decision and, and, you know, he and I had a really good conversation about it. And really at the end of the day, I said, I actually told him, I said, if, if I choose to be in a, in a relationship, a marriage with Kyleen, number one, that is prime primary. And this is her expectations. So me taking these steps to do this, creates that safety in her mind so for example if i had just one day you're out of town i go see the movie oppenheimer you find out three months later that it had this big sex scene in it and you knew i didn't take precautions just went didn't talk to you about it then you'd be like now i in that movie i may have done the right thing i may have looked away or whatever that is right in there but why wouldn't i mean oh my gosh that would be a disaster yeah, epic proportions right, right. have betrayal and addiction in yeah and, and some people will say well you know if you're in recovery that shouldn't trigger you anymore maybe they're right but why go okay. why go into that why do you have to see that why all those things right it doesn't in my mind it doesn't necessarily matter if it triggers you per se mm-hmm. it's still you shouldn't why are you watching that right exactly exactly why do you have to see that you know yeah. what I mean? If and you so, know, if you, it's like, yeah, I don't know. That's the yeah. whole idea of so, like, I'm an alcoholic. Right. Let me smell and maybe just get a little taste of yeah. the whiskey. Right. But like, but well, I want to drink the whole thing. Yeah. Well, and, and part of it is, you know, I, I wanted to, I want, I've worked very hard to create a um, safe, to be the safe person. again. I was the unsafe person, right? I was safe for a long time and then I was unsafe and now I'm safe again. And you know, as you continue to work on For your me. own, yeah, as you continue to work on your own healing, there's still some things that you're working through where maybe you don't feel safe, but that's not necessarily related to my current behavior. Mm-hmm. And so why would I do things that continues to put you into the rest? That's mean. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's, a, yeah. And I think that's where I, I get the sense they struggle between, well, I want to be free versus you know, what you're saying is I want to be in this relationship and, in, you know, and you're literally protecting my mental health. And also and that, even you know, beyond that. I, you, and, you know. and our emotional intimacy right, right. by being proactive and mm-hmm. saying, how would, how would I feel about this? How would Kylene feel about this? Right. Um, I need to take that into consideration before I make choices. Right. Right. You know, it's interesting. I used to always, and, and I, I did a good job on this in the physical world. 
I always, I always looked at how would Kylene feel if she walked in on this, right? Mm-hmm. If she saw me talking to this person, would mm-hmm. she be okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. But there was a, you know, the, that's what I'm saying. The, the virtual private world. part of my world, yeah, did not match that. So now my we put, pub- we put a different label on it when it had the screen in between, which is ridiculous. So now my private and my public life matches all right. of that, right? And so there's no issue. And number one, it you can feel safer because of it. Um, and I feel more free because I'm living in an aligned fashion with who I've always wanted to be. Yeah. And so that in and of itself, you know, you can read a book about Oppenheimer. I listened to a podcast about Oppenheimer and it was very fascinating. It might be something we can watch on like VidAngel or something like that where it blocks it out. But, um, but yeah, it's just. Yeah. So, be proactive. Yeah. Okay. The last one. So we have under, uh, take it seriously, understand the extent, get educated and connected quickly. Uh, and that's for both the addicted and the betrayed partner. Get the support, talk to people, you know, mm-hmm. get connected, read books, podcasts, all those things. And then the last point um, for today is just for the betrayed partner who has just discovered something, decide right now what you will and will not tolerate in your life and marriage moving forward. Mm-hmm. That is so, so, so important. And the reason I tell you to do that now in the beginning is because there, we often think, well, I would never tolerate that. And there's so, oh my gosh. And, and then, and then life happens and then we do. Right. And I've talked to so many women where we have these conversations and they, they sort of say, well, I'm not going to like, this is the the line for me. You know, we're talking about setting boundaries. Right. And they go, oh, well, I would never tolerate X, Y, Z. And I'm like, Take yourself 5, 10, 15 years back or maybe before you were married and tell me from that perspective, would you have said, I wouldn't tolerate everything that you've tolerated for the past 15 years? And they go, oh, right, right, yeah, I've tolerated a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you do things like writing down the impact letter, um, I had a client that kind of started working through that recently because she was um, in the midst of the pain of everything. And I said, Go ahead and start writing it down because, you know, it's it's beneficial to have that reflect the reality of, of the emotions that you're feeling. And one of the things that that does for people is put in one place everything that you have dealt with mm-hmm. and everything that you're feeling. And I think sometimes when it's on paper and when it's in front of you and it's like a list, you go, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So, so this is a situation when you're talking about pornography, sex addiction, infidelity, texting, what affairs, whatever it is, anything on the spectrum. You've got to, you know, you're educated now, you understand what the spectrum includes, right? You've got to decide and be and really mean it, what you want in your relationship and what you absolutely will not compromise on. Mm-hmm. Because if you are not clear on what those lines are of, well, I'm, I'm, this is kind of, we can compromise on this or it's not a deal breaker here, but this is, this is my, this is my line in the sand. I will not go beyond this and I won't tolerate you going around. If you are not clear on what those lines are, they will get so blurred mm-hmm. in this process. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, again, we encourage you to work with trauma coaches and practitioners right. and, and people that can support you through this process because I want you as a betrayed partner to feel like you have a voice. And I I see so many struggle with this idea of, well, I don't want to, and this is, I think going to be something we talk about in another episode, but this is, 
a very common struggle. Well, I don't want to be controlling his recovery or I don't want to be, you know, viewed as a parent or I don't want to be viewed as mean or, you know, whatever. And I'm constantly helping people reframe boundaries to be like, no, boundaries are, are around you. They are around your safety. They are around what you will and will not tolerate, but you have to be clear about them. And sometimes, you know, that, that person then has the opportunity to say, yes, I'm, I'm on board or I'm not. They have autonomy and flexibility and free will to make that choice. But once these lines are clear, then that dictates your choices moving forward and it gives you all the information you need. But if you're not clear, then you're living in this constant limbo of pain, Mm -hmm. basically, and just wondering, like, are they going to respect these invisible boundaries that I need to feel safe, Mm -hmm. but keep getting crossed and make me feel unsafe all the time? Yeah, you know, I I often say this as you know you had said early on, hey, if you do this again, you know, we're 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 through. And I remember thinking, you know, because I was an addict, right? All of a sudden now I discover I'm an addict. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, addicts do crazy things. And so like I was like, I remember thinking how motivating that was for me, but it was also very scary because I was new to the like being, I, being uh, yes, dictated I, as an addict. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to like run off into the woods and like, you know, like, like what exactly is going to happen? You know, you through the addiction recovery process mm-hmm. too, right? right? Like I yeah. was very much like, let's get you sober. Let me help you. Let's yeah. like get right. you stable. And mm-hmm. my view has always been once you get through the 90 days and the chemical cascade is done, you have enough cognizance to make a choice. And if you choose that, you are choosing not me. Right, right. Yeah. And, and so, so and that I was I, very clear on that. Yeah, we talk about like the early on stuff. You know, I always say this, it's like, you know, the that was a, a powerful motivator for me because I didn't want to hurt you. I recognized how badly I had hurt you. And I was like, I did not want to go back into that world. And so that was a really powerful, you know, it was probably a combination between me, you know, I, we talked about choosing my rock bottom, right? That was it. And also knowing that, that any sort of relationship, I really wanted to repair the relationship. I really, really did. And I made it clear. You know, it made it clear. I was like, okay, well, this won't, you know, this won't happen. Yeah, again, my boundary was this is what's required to stay in relationship with me. And that was a hard boundary to set because I loved you and I wanted it to work. And Mm -hmm. I hoped that you could recover. And I really had to work through a lot of my own trauma and my own fears and insecurities to get to the place where I believed wholeheartedly I will be okay by myself. Right. So that I feel totally confident now that I will follow through on that. If the mm-hmm. time comes, right. I don't want to, you know, we've made such great progress and mm-hmm. you're, you're in recovery. And so I hope that never, ever happens. And I, and I know because of the physical, mental, and emotional toll this took on my health. And that was part of what really made me believe I could do it. I said, I can never, ever, ever go through that again. Right. I just can't. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So yeah, boundaries are good. Um, and I encourage you to think through and set them up as soon as you find out yeah. because you need to plan what your response to things is. And if you don't know what your response is, and, and this happens all the time and it, it it's not, um, uh, I don't want to put any, any sense of morality on this, right? Like we do what we can with the information that we have in the moment. Um, but this is why I, I we're speaking this out loud. I want you to think through these things so that you can get more clear because otherwise things happen and then you're flailing around and you don't know what your options are. Mm-hmm. Think through your options now. Come up with plans now. Um, if this happens, here are three ways I can respond to this based on, you know, 
X, Y, Z, right? Um, and again, that's why we encourage you to plug into support and community and, and people that can help you. I have the What's Next course. I have a, a uh, boundaries module in it that helps you understand boundaries. And um, there's understanding trauma in there. There's understanding the addict brain in there. I do one-on-one coaching with women and I just walk them through and everything we do one-on-one is mm-hmm. very personalized. Every woman that I work with is different and every situation with their spouse is different and all of the struggles are different, but a lot of the emotional triggers and responses and patterns are the same. Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. I find it's all the same. Yeah. Um, but every session is different because everybody's life and, and where you are in this moment and the types of boundaries that you're going to set are different. And so if you need support with that, the link to book a connection call is in the show notes. Um, but whether it's me or a, a support group or a different practitioner, um, we do encourage you to get plugged in. And a reminder, when you find this, take it seriously, view it as a cancer in the relationship because it's exactly what it is. And it just absolutely breaks my heart to hear how many stories are quote unquote little discoveries here and there every few years until they finally decide to ask the questions. And then it's 15, 20 years in the marriage and they realize how deep this was and how it truly was an addiction and how many betrayals there have been. And as hard as it is, I encourage you to find that out now Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't go on another 10 years and you can make a decision in this present moment with, with the, wherever your spouse is now and they can, you guys can decide together what to do. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.